Welcome back to Just One Question, coming to you from a remote location, not quite secret, it's in Vermont, but uh, I'm camping out here uh, for the short term, and so I'm very grateful to people who can just beam in, one of whom is Zach Dykewald. He is the author of Young China and the founder of the Young China Group, and when I spoke to him last, I think it's a couple of years ago now, it was earlier on in the in the uh, uh, pandemic, um, and we talked about uh, how that was affecting um, Asia and the U.S. And, and all that sort of thing. Now, a couple of years on, things have changed, or haven't they? In any case, uh, Zach, I'm very glad to see you, see you well. And uh, what are you excited about these days? What's going on in your world? Lots of changes. So I, I'm excited about, I got I got some new hardware here. I got married uh, <laughs> about six weeks ago. And uh, we actually met because I got stranded in the US at the very beginning of COVID. And so if you're looking for a, a rose in the concrete, uh, a rose mm. in the cracks of the concrete sort of story, there's at least some silver lining there. Um, Congratulations. That's wonderful. I, Thank you so much. Yeah, she, she's wonderful. We're happy. Um, I'm excited to go back to China uh, in October. It's been the longest I've been out of China since I was 20 years old. Um, and so I'm looking forward to uh, kind of getting back on the court. I, there, there's a lot of China folks who are leaving now. Um, it's certainly more challenging right now in China, but but actually that has me more excited to be back and, and do my thing. feels like two and a half years of uh, of not being able to you know, more or less commenting on the thing that I love instead of getting able to be an active participant. Um, and last, I'm really excited about collaboration. Uh, we're on this new track with Young China Group, uh, a set of research and initiatives that I'm really excited about focused on collaboration between the US and China. And I know what you're probably thinking, uh, there doesn't seem to be a lot of that. And you're yeah. exactly right. Uh, on, on the people-to-people -people level, there's there's less now than ever. There's fewer study abroad students. There's fewer tourists, obviously. Um, on a government level, there's less now than probably uh, like the early 1980s. Um, and so I have very little faith in, in that realm to, to improve the quality of the relationship. Um, but businesses are still collaborating. And we have started an initiative doing collaborative research um, and we've created a number of quantitative tools that measure the quality of collaboration between U.S. and China-based teams for some of these large businesses who are really well incentivized to figure out how to make it work. And, and something that we've learned over the last year uh, is that, to a certain extent, strategy is cheap. Uh, and we could tell people that they need to enable and empower their China teams to help develop that strategy as much as we want. But ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, how well they're working together, is it going to be improved by that kind of talk? And so it's been great to actually lift the hood on some of these teams, be a little bit of a cross-cultural therapist, and also come with some heavier hitting tools that can show teams very specifically what's working, what's not, uh, and then how to fix them. So it's a different role than, than we've had in the past. But I can already tell you it's making far more impact in terms of the quality of people's lives when they're working between U.S. and China uh, on teams and those respective places, and also the quality of output. Uh, different than just strategy, the actual quality of teamwork and collaboration, especially over time, has really improved what people are creating 
for the China-based market and increasingly for the global markets coming from China, which is a direction of strategy that wasn't really a factor for the last 30 years of, of US-China engagement. So collaboration, excited about collaboration. That's very cool. And can you give me just one example, just to uh, give me something to think about, to chew on, to take away of uh, what's one single obstacle that gets in the way of uh, China, uh, Western or US uh, collaboration? Like what do you run across and, and, and uh, what does that look like? Yeah, a super easy one is meeting styles. Uh, so first you have to remember that in any meeting um, between U.S. and China, somebody is operating outside of nine to five. Actually, collaboration between U.S. and China can explicitly, because of time zones, cannot take place during nine to five hours. So somebody's always operating at a time that's inconvenient for them. Someone's always missing soccer practice. Somebody's always uh, missing breakfast with their family, whatever it is. Um, on top of that, though, in, in China, the style um, of participation in meetings is not the group brainstorm, uh, which really privileges extroverts and speaking out and standing out. In China, there is a saying, well, the nail that stands up gets hammered down. And often the style of, of sharing ideas isn't the same as that with the United States. And so what often happens is you get America or U.S.-based teams and even Western European-based teams uh, who will be leading the meeting and will be the only one speaking out, the China team will be very quiet. And so the US-based team's ideas end up being just taken for granted that those are what, what's going to happen, despite the China-based team having all the local knowledge, all the local intel, and, 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 and the latest and greatest on what's actually happening on the ground. Now, the outcome of that either goes one of two ways. Um, a really frustrating outcome is the China team says yes on the phone and then will do what they want on the ground. Mm -hmm. uh, the other outcome is the China team will say yes on the phone or on the Zoom call and then do what they say they'll do on the ground. Believe it or not, that first outcome is actually better. Saying yes, huh. but then doing what they want on the ground. Because saying yes is fine, but ultimately if they're doing what they want on the ground, they're, they're reacting to what they're seeing on the ground, even if they're not able to articulate it uh, in a group setting, again, that privileges English speakers and people who are used to that group brainstorming. The worst case scenario is the second situation, where you have a China-based team who just becomes yes men and yes women to a US-based team who ultimately doesn't understand the local dynamics to the degree that the China-based team does. And so, so that's what you really want to be afraid of uh, once you have a China-based team who, who is compliant, who is just sort of saying yes to whatever the New York-based or San Francisco-based or Austin-based or Stockholm-based or London-based team is cooking up, uh, that's when you know a team is really in trouble. Absolutely fascinating. The, the, uh, the unexpected pitfalls and, and, and opportunities on the other side of that kind of uh, cross-cultural collaboration is just endlessly fascinating to me. So, uh, I uh, wish we could spend an hour on this, but uh, then we'd have to be to dip into your consulting time. So thank you very much for that quick insight and for that update. Really glad to see you doing well and glad that you're going back to China. Congratulations again on the marriage. That's awesome. And uh, thanks, Zach, for checking in with us. Thanks so much, Nick. It's always a pleasure. 